Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the From the Finney podcast with Ollie, Jimmy and myself, Jake. In this episode, we'll discuss the comeback win against Brentford, the first signing of the summer window. We also have an exclusive interview with Randers FC assistant coach about said new signing. And we'll also look ahead to the international break. We'll talk a bit about the transfer window and then obviously our game against Cardiff City on the 18th of October. How are we fellas? Are we good? I hope so after today. Yep, it's been a successful Sunday so far, so quite happy with today's today's win, obviously. yeah. O- only quite happy, it. Jimmy. Yeah. Two goals. Two goals conceded. You know, if it was 4 0, then we'd be there. We'd be laughing, wouldn't we? Yeah. But um, yeah, no, no, really positive today. So, yeah, very much so. Ollie? Yeah, buzzing, mate. Yeah, what an afternoon that was. Four goals in 18 minutes. Obviously, good to see Shawnee off and running in the league. Scott Sinclair's on three now, and no penalties today as well with the with the double. Should give his confidence a bit of a boost. And obviously, good to see Brad Potts get off the mark as well. Tidy little finish at the near post. Um, we'll come on to that in a bit more detail in a bit. But yeah, overall, like, like we just said, a good afternoon, a good day at the office, so to speak. Quite, well, I'll say quite poor. What, what do you two think about the two goals? I think personally, the the first goal, um, we were on top before the first goal goes in. Though that I know it was only what eight nine minutes gone when we yeah. the first goal, but you know we showed a bit of an attacking intent from the off. Um, in fairness, I think, Jimmy, I don't think there was a time in the game today where we weren't on top. No, well, I think well, I'll come on to that in a minute, but. I get your point on that, but I suppose you've got to look at the context of the game and how the game's flown. So, you know, we were on top because Brentford let us be on top after they'd scored. After they'd scored, yeah. So, you know, they were happy for us to have the ball. I mean, what for our possession wise today? It was mid, well, fifty-six percent. You know, against Brentford, you you didn't never have expected that probably twelve months ago. No, but Brentford just sat in, you know, and I suppose. The first goal is preventable. I think defensively, Rafferty's got himself in a poor position, but just, just Alan Brown gives the ball away really cheaply really. to start with. Yeah, and, and and Brownie, to be fair, when you watch it back, I said at the time, like, that's a really poor pass when he gave it away because he, he's in their final third and he's passed backwards and he's passed straight to one of their lads and they've put together probably 10 or 11 passes and the next minute the ball's in the back of the net. But... It's one of those, really, you know, you can't be too critical when you've won, but you look back and I think the manager said, you know, the two goals we conceded were poor. So I think for me, the first one, you've got to give credit to Brentford's pattern of play. Obviously, they've had the wingers come quite deep on the touchline. As you say, Jake Rafferty's in no man's land, followed a winger. And then Joshua Silva's just occupied that space, running off the back of Alan Brown. Great quality cross, good finish. Very good first time finish from Tony, but... Second goal, just a clinical transition, really. So I think a run from Tony, I have to say, for the first goal. Yeah, I, trust me, I'm a big fan of Ivan Tony. He's been quite a lot said about his um, 
that would have guessed that, mate. Well, if, you, if you're paying five million for a player, so that's what you expect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Just ghosted him behind part, really, didn't they? And yeah, Davis think, was nowhere near. Yeah, I think um, both both sort of came from transitions, really. It's not like we were cut open. But yeah, individual errors, which I suppose against Brentford, you can sort of accept if you get cut open from an, a nice better play, but very preventable goals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like Jimmy said, I think we were basically territory-wise on top for for a good percentage of the game. And even though we were 2-0 down at half-time, there's always a chance if you make it 2-1. And obviously, yeah. sensational second half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in the whole game, there's only 18% of the games that have been played in our third. Yeah. You know, the rest, of, you know, 82% of the game played in either the middle third or, or their third. So, you know, it shows how on top we are of the game. And yeah. to be fair to us, we've been quite clinical today as well. So you can't complain from that point of view. Um, the second goal that we conceded, obviously, you've just got to take your hat off to Brentford, really, in a way, because obviously we've got an attack. We're, we're on the attack. We've had a set piece. Yeah. You know, for me, from Pat's header in the box, they put to the four passes, and the next minute the ball's in the back of our net again. Yeah, yeah. You know, that ball that's that I, I forgot. Marcondes, I think. Yeah, that just the, yeah. the crossfield pass was that sensational. That and yeah. yeah, Hughes, he probably should get his head on it, or at least be in a better position. And then Ben Davis has gone to the gone to the ball and left Tony, um, which probably isn't the best defender I've ever seen. But you know, yeah. let's just get that out of the way now. Because obviously, you know, our second half was absolutely sensational. You could, you cannot yeah. take that away. You know, and we're, to be fair to us, we've been good today. Been good from the off. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, we've made a couple of errors for the goals, but they are individual errors. They're not like it's not like we've played badly and conceded two yeah. crap goals. No, it's, not it's not like it's not like the, the Reading game last season where yeah. they, they won three one and it was just poor. Yeah. yeah, there's no there's no major structural uh, sort of deficiencies. Um, f- for me, I think sometimes when we're two 0 down, you, you despair a bit because obviously it's getting to the stage now where fans won't accept anything other than results. But performance wise, there was nothing in the game at all. And I think Brentford's goals, from their perspective, will look like very good goals because they just got quality players who yeah. sort of make them transitions count. And Tony's had two chances and he's he scored twice today. But I thought, yeah, overall, think, second half was unbelievable. Yeah, I think on the whole, I don't think there's been much in any of the games that we've played, in all honesty. Like, no. The Swansea one, yeah, we've probably lacked quite a lot in the final third. Yeah. Um, Norwich, good performance. I mean, mm. granted, you take that save from deck away in the 93rd minute or whatever it was, and we could have easily lost the game, but I think we deserved at least a point out of that, if not more, and played well. Yeah. Stoke, first 20 minutes, we were brilliant. I think I have no doubt that we'd have gone on to win that had we kept 11 men on the pitch. Um, we'll, we've covered that red card enough, but shambolic. And then today... You know, we've we've just spent ten minutes talking about it, and and everyone that's listening presumably has watched it as well and can see that yeah. you know we we are putting in good performances. Yeah, for for me, our first four games have been against all four sides that I've predicted to be in the top six. Um, on paper, it's a very tough start. So obviously, four points takes us level with Brentford, but. Doesn't look great, but it's, it's a solid platform to build on when you look at sort of the next four or five games. I think 
Cardiff are in there, Huddersfield, Millwall. I think Birmingham are in there. So, yeah. so the next four or five look a lot more winnable on paper anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think just just very good to get the win today, just to give us a little bit of breathing space more than anything. Because I think we all know we're a decent side, don't we? Yeah, of course we do. And and like you said, it's important to get the win, I think, heading into the international break as well. I think Alex Neal said it a few times in the last week or so. It's funny what a win can do in football and how it can change the mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. The goals were conceded, though. I mean, look at the, what, four goals were conceded so Well, six goals conceded so far in the league this season. A lot of them have been preventable. You know, the two today are preventable for me. Mm-hmm. The two at home especially, you know, it, it's come from poor defending. So I think there is still room to improve in terms of that from. Of course there is. But you've got to give the lads credit, a lot of credit for the way they have played in those games so far in the league because we've not been second best throughout. You know, it's not like we've been hammered in the you know four championship games we've played. Yeah, Brighton probably stepped it up second half in that cup game. Mm. But I suppose you've got to look at the team that we had out that night as well because we didn't exactly have our best 11 out. No. So I think, you know, in context, I think... It's a fairly decent start to the season given the fixtures we had. We said it was going to be a tough start anyway, the first six. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, with Cardiff and QPR away, you know, around the corner. You know, no one wants to really go to London on Tuesday night, let's be fair. But hopefully we can um, deliver the goods when we're back. So, yeah, it it's promising. That's probably the best way I can describe our start to the season. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the goals then. Obviously, to get it back to 2 1. Good finish from Sinclair. Nice little layoff from uh, Patrick Bauer. I thought, I remember the commentator making a point of saying that he's, he's stayed up from open play. And um, yeah, the thing is, it didn't even stay up. He went and joined the attack. It wasn't like it was a second or third phase of a set piece or whatever. He drove out, he drove out um, of the ball, of, of defense of the ball, and then became an extra man on their fullback. Um, it's quite bold from Pat, to be fair. Yeah, wins the knockdown. Was it a ball from Brown, I think? It was Brown or Rafferty, I can't remember. But um, like we've said many times on the podcast, he's going to win a lot of first contacts in the box, Patrick Bauer. So, yeah. And like we've said about Sinclair, if you give him them little moments in the box, probably going to be clinical and finish him off. Yeah, he's he's a moments Um, player, isn't he? I think after today, by the way, that's um, six goals in 15 league starts for Sinclair. Five goals inside the box, obviously, including the penalty. Um, so, yeah, I think um, like like we said before, I think we'll I think we'll uh, be pretty comfortable with Sinclair getting to double figures this season. Yeah, without a doubt, good little finish as well on his left foot. Yeah, he's he's a good finisher, isn't he? Off both mm. feet, I think. So, mm. very promising. I think Sinclair going forward. There was a lot of um, little comments about him and Maguire at half time getting him involved in the game, but I think we've got to accept now that Sinclair is not going to be involved in the game in a big way. I think he's just Man- gonna I think he's gonna be um just a finisher more than anything. Yeah. Manager said that as well, hasn't he? In his post match. Is that he's mentioned about Sinclair was stuck out. He, he kept coming looking for the ball when we just wanted to be out out on the left, because that's mm-hmm. where we'll find him. You know, you stay there that we'll we'll find you more than him having to come and look for the ball. Yeah. So whilst that's only a, a slight tactical tweak, it's probably hurt wonders really, because if you look at Sinclair's positioning for the goals that he's scored. You know, he's there. So, 
And I think there's been a, quite a few comments as well about um, Sinclair, people wanting him to play down the middle. But I think when you're drifting in from that left-hand side, you can sort of ghost into those positions. Yeah. Yeah, I think starting up front might nullify him a little bit. So I think well, keeping him keeping him out left, and you can sort of ghost into them positions between the full-back, um, between the centre-back, sort of behind the midfield, I think he's very effective there. Yeah, we've had a few questions from Twitter. Uh, well, sorry, from people on Twitter asking about whether Sinclair is going to be better having sort of that starter role as a more central player. But I think our wide players always come quite narrow anyway, so he's always going to end up in that position, whether he starts yeah. wide or starts up front or starts yeah. in a two or whatever. Yeah, I don't think to make that much of a tactical tweak specifically to get him in that kind of role is going to make that much of a difference because of the way we play anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, just just what you said about the wide players coming in, Sinclair scored twice today. Obviously, Potts has scored and they've all scored from sort of within the width of the box. So by no means do we play sort of orthodox wide players. We play sort of narrow, narrow attackers, if you will. Um, so I think there might be the odd game for Sinclair rotating in and around the number nine. But obviously, with the new strike coming in, I don't think that's going to be much of a much of something that we see going forward. Probably similar with Barkey as well. Yeah. I think because of Barkey's pace, we might see him there a little bit more for the odd game tactically. But yeah, I think Sinclair's probably going to nail down that left-hand side spot. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Second goal, huge pressing high really well to win the ball. And then obviously a good ball into the box to find Scott. And it's a quite a nice first touch just to take it away from the player, uh, from the keeper and the defender, sorry, and just create a bit of space. And then obviously... Another nice little finish. Uh, just on Hughes, what did you think of him today? Jimmy's still there. I'm still here. I, I thought Hughes had an all right game. I I think out of the two fullbacks, he was the better out of the two. Yeah. Um, that's not saying much, like, but won his fair share of aerials. Yeah, it could be. You'd expect that second from him goal. Though, really, don't you? Yeah, I, we, we all, we've all harped on enough about how Andrew Hughes is good in the air. Um, I didn't think he had a bad game. I thought he, he started the game on the front foot. You know, in the first 20 seconds, he's trying to whip a ball into their box from, you know, the edge of the 18-yard area. I think it, what I've seen today, I've seen him get forward more than I've probably seen him get forward in a, a lot of pressing appearances for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is positive because that's what end of the day we want him to do. Um, is it the answer? I don't know. I, I always compare him to Greg because, and I'm always going to compare him to Greg because that's the player he's replaced. I don't think he's fit to lace his boots personally, but I think he's with performances like today. Then you can't really knock him. It's a good ball in for the Scots goal. I don't know. I don't, can we get better? Probably not at this moment in time. That's probably the best way to look at it. Yeah, I think people seem to take offence when I say our fullbacks are very average. Um, but if you think about how much we paid for Hughes and Rafferty, we can't really expect much more. I think that's decent League One defenders for me. Mm. Um, got no sort of standout capabilities going forward, but solid enough, solid enough defensively, and they're going to be part of a, a solid unit, obviously. Fish is a level above, but like Jimmy says, are we going to go out and probably spend enough money to considerably improve? Probably not. So, obviously, we've still got Earl to come back in, who I think could end up playing a part this season. I think he was, well, I think he's training again now. Um, and obviously, 
we know how high we rate Fisher. So on paper, probably sort of our weak weak areas, fullback today. But obviously Hughes got the assist and then Rafferty's done done fine again. Nothing majorly wrong, but definitely somewhere we can improve on going forward. Obviously yeah, interested interested in a in a couple of fullbacks in the last twelve months. But we're yeah, just I think they are just pretty average players. Yeah, and, and that's no detriment to them. I mean, that, mm. that's no criticism of them because then that's their ability. That's where they're at, yeah. you know, in terms of, of, of our team. And I, I keep thinking to myself, you know, whenever we talk about transfers, you know, can we actually afford or ca- could we bring in the calibre of players to improve? Or is that actually, is it out there? Because, yeah, there'll be the odd player in League One and Two, and two that might be a step up or, or might be able to do the same job as them, but they're going to be commanding a fee because they're going to be one of their better, better players at their club. You know, do we look abroad like we've just got, you know, with with Emil Reese? I, I don't know. It's, at the end of the day, there's people, you know, such as Joe Savage and the guys at the club that are paid to find these players and I'm pretty sure that they probably will. So if, if they're going to be an improvement to the team, but yeah. they're not needed at the minute. You know, we've needed a striker for two and a half years. We've finally got one. So yeah, let's just hope we don't need a fullback in the in the near future. Yeah. You know, and Fisher signs on. Uh, Potts's goal. I think we need to talk about the run from Ledson. Mm-hmm. Takes the defender away, creates the space, and yeah. and it's a good finish from Potts again near post. Keeper has yeah. no idea, just rooted to the spot. Just 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 think about where Potts ends up, by the way. He's on paper, he's playing on playing out, out wide right. Quite a lot of interchanging with Brownie today, which was a clear tactical ploy um, from the start for various reasons. But like you say, Ledson's he doesn't just play play the pass with sort of intensity going forward, he then carries a run on, drags away the centre back, and then obviously creates a space for Potts. Probably takes a keeper by surprise going near post yeah yeah it's uh, a good finish love it when Potts scores because a lot of the fan base still don't really see what he brings which I find uh, confusing but I was having an argument with someone yesterday he yeah. was in, funnily enough was slating Scott Sinclair Sean Maguire and Brad Potts and they all scored today mm. Maguire and Potts get more than a fair share don't they um, absolutely I'll, I'll always love Potts for the uh, the Shearer celebration as yeah. well he takes when he scores pots. They tend to be decent goals, don't he? Yeah, he's, he he does have a good goal in him. Pots. He can hit him, can't he? Yeah, he can. Um, but like like Jimmy said, I think probably Ledson again just excelled for me today. Man of the match, I'd yeah. say so. Obviously Sinclair scored twice, but it it was more of a four one four one today because obviously because of the way that we pressed. And I think Ledson just even with the run for the goal for Potts's goal, just showed a little bit of mobility that I wasn't sure that he had last season. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he's just getting better and better for me, Ledson. Yeah, absolutely. He's really come on to his own, Annie. I think yeah. it helps him play with Pearson. Yeah, you know, because you know, obviously Pearson just does the donkey work, doesn't he? In terms of the, the you know, the off the ball cleaning up sort of job, and let's put Ledson play. And yeah, he's really come on to come into it. I think he's been been really good. I thought he was excellent today. I thought his, yeah. his work rate, his tackling off the ball, you know, intercepting play. I think he's just a really good player, isn't he? In yeah. that eight role, yeah. So yeah, I think his forward passing is really, really good. Um, he first of all he sees the pass, but he executes the passes. Um, good weight of pass, good angles, good timing of pass as well. I think it's a very strong attribute. And you've got to just um, 
wonder now where does Galli fit in with all this now? Because mm-hmm. Ledson's probably offering you quite a lot of what you'd hope from Galli, but just in a in a lot more rounded way. Um, yeah. So that might be a little question going forward. But and he's got about ten years on Galli, if not more. Yeah. 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 Probably. 12, 13 years, I think. Um, so yeah, that's a really promising start to the season for Ledson. Really happy for him because just, obviously just on Ledson. Yeah. He was uh, a bit cheeky with that corner for the fourth only. The ball was nowhere near the quadrant. But you just love to see that sort of thing, don't you? It's, it's... Well, I should have done it in the last less than twelve months. I think Brown did it at home before fans yeah. were no longer allowed in stadiums. Yeah. yeah. Remember that he had to go in the first half as well. Ledson ref pulled him back. Um, yeah, cracks me up. 50th, 50th appearance for North End today as well, which he seems to have racked up quite quickly. I didn't, I wasn't sort of yeah, sure he'd made that many. Surprising that, um, but that it's a good ball in from that corner. Obviously, Davis this time with the knockdown, and yeah. um, it's a it's a good finish from Shawnee mm. swinging at it on the uh, on the half volley. And yeah. I'm delighted that he's got off the mark in the league as well yeah. already early on yeah. but, two for the season in all comps now mm-hmm. very similar to the Wigan goal last season if you yeah. remember that carbon copy more or less I think um, similar one as well against uh, Fulham at home yeah from a corner yeah a little turn and shoot yeah obviously like I say delighted because he gets a lot of unwarranted stick yeah um, whenever whenever we seem to be losing it seems to be Maguire's fault um, but massive fan of Maguire delighted yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think first half we were. I think we had one completed cross out of eleven, and uh, because you know we were getting the ball down and into that final third, but then we were just put it into land of the giants. You know, with um, Jansen and the other centre half, Ethan Pinnett, That's it. You know, you never, you're not going to out jump them. Let's be honest. When you're Shawnee Maguire, yeah. So you know, actually getting it across the box and getting it to his feet, that's where he's at his best and. A, probably an instinctive finish more than anything today. Yeah, you know, so it's a, it's a real striker's finish. It's it's poacher's goal. Yeah. So, yeah, long may it continue. I think today was the first time that Brentford have conceded four goals since we scored four past them. I think I read somewhere. So I think Maguire's obviously started in them attacks. When um, did we put four past them? Just thinking that one of Thomas Frank's first games. I think it was four two or four three at Deepdale. Twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, yeah, Robinson scored, didn't he? I can't remember who scored, but I remember Maguire causing havoc. Um, so yeah, I think we need to give more credit to Maguire because he is he is he is a decent player, and he does mm. he had three shots on target today. Um, obviously, had two in the first half. Didn't really trouble to keep a ball. Shots on target, shots on target. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. he's um, started the season quite well for me, Sean. You think he looks sharp? Yeah, we said yeah. that the other week, didn't we? Yeah, I think just and obviously without Barky today. Probably just took a bit of extra responsibility on his shoulders. And yeah, I think his all-round play is decent, Maguire. I don't know what people watch sometimes. I honestly don't. I think he gets into good pockets. He, he creates stuff and he gets shots away. So the goal, ho- hopefully, he's done him a lot of good today. Yeah, and hopefully keeps a few people off his back as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think what people forget about Shawnee is that he was signed as a striker. And for a long, large part of his career with us, I don't think people forget that. I think that's, that's what people judge him on. I think the fact that he was signed as a striker, yeah, and he's, he's barely not... played as a striker. No, and it frustrates me because I think the expectations were high from that first season when he scored ten, 
you know, and since then he scored, I think, a total of nine goals combined in the league in the past three years. So I get people a little bit frustrated with his goals return, but his contribution to the team is pretty decent. You yeah. know, you, you don't look as good without him on the pitch. He gets us higher up the pitch the majority of the time. And, and that's what people think. I mean, territory-wise, we're a lot higher up the pitch with Sean Maguire than Stotley. You know, when when Jaden's on the pitch, we drop deeper. I don't know why. It seems like a natural thing for us to do is to try and pump the balls into his chest or his head and then we lose it quite quickly and all of a sudden, you, you know, they... pressure, pressure's back on then, isn't it? When, yeah, exactly. When, when Stock is on the pitch, there's no out ball, is there? You can't, no. you can't stretch, you can't gain territory at all from just putting a ball into the channel. Come straight back no. at you, doesn't it? He's he's probably a player that we're going to see less and less of as the season goes on. I suspect. I think there's still going to be games for him. But yeah, of course yeah. it will. But hence, hence me saying it's less and less. Not it's not going to be non-existent. But yeah, I think we're we're going to come on to it. But obviously, he's only 22, the new lad. Yeah, but well, but yeah, I think that's that's Brentford tied up quite nicely, and obviously the the little mention of the new lad there. We've got an exclusive interview for. All you listeners, with Randers FC's assistant coach, a man called Rasmus Bertelsen. He, from what we gathered and from what we took from the interview and from what I was told beforehand, he, he had an email from being a youth, a young lad at the club. I think he said, he said that they signed him when he was about 14, 13 or 14. He's been a goal scorer at every level and obviously he's, he's represented Denmark, I think under 16, under 17 and now under under 21 so yeah Ollie and I had a little chat with him earlier on so we'll, we'll pass you over to myself Ollie and Rasmus for a little chat uh, so yeah enjoy enjoy this little segment hello Rasmus uh, thanks for giving us some of your time to, to come on the podcast and to talk about our new signing and a lad that I'm I'm guessing you know really well uh, in, in Emil Reese Jacobson it is it yeah. that's how you say it isn't it yeah thanks for having me yeah it's uh, Emil Reese Jacobson Right, cool. I'm not even going to attempt that. <laughs> no, no, but actually it's, it's a little bit funny because his middle name, Ries, is in, 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 in Danish, that means rice. So, <laughs> so we, call, we call him rice sometimes in Denmark, Emil Rice. so you can, <laughs> you can maybe do that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I've no doubt that I'll get picked up by some of the listeners. Yeah, like I said, thank you very much for coming on, much appreciated. First of all, I'm told that you had Emil as a youngster when he was at the club, when he was in the youth academy. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked with him uh, a few years, uh, especially under seventeen. I, I worked with him personally, but but our club is so small, so we work a, a little bit across. But but I had him uh, as an uh, as an under seventeen player. Yeah, was he was he one that you thought could go on and and sort of have a career in professional football and would be able to to impact the game? Yeah, yeah. He's been a, he's been a, an awesome goal scorer all his life. Uh, since we since we bought him in at 13 or 14 he's been scoring so many goals at at every level also uh, national team uh, so so he was a he was a good uh, talent uh, yeah all the way back yeah it's good to hear um yeah. how was he then in terms of making the transition from the youth setup to the first team obviously I, i'm assuming that you would have been around for that yeah actually it's a, it's a, it's a longer story because he didn't go to our first team he was sold out of our academy to yeah. to derby yeah so he uh, so he never he never played for the first team before he was sold uh, right interesting yeah and then when things didn't work out in, in derby and in holland then he we brought him back uh, yeah for free and that was a good decision 
Um, how how do you think his time at Derby will help him this time around in England? I think for uh, for his uh, adapting to 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 the level and to the to the environment, it will be perfect for him because uh, everything is something he's done before. Yeah, so that would be a that would be a big help for him. And of course, the language is is no problem when when you go to England. So yeah. Yeah, it, it was quite surprising actually when I heard the first interview, just how good he was at talking English. Yeah, yeah, he's he he's had two or three years over there, so yeah, it's, it's it's been easy for him to make this step. Yeah, Rasmus, Rasmus, in terms of in terms of the transition from obviously the Danish league to to the English Championship, how much do you think the style of football, uh, the physicality, is different between the two leagues? Yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, I think a little bit difficult to say because in the Danish league we have a lot of different teams playing yeah. uh, playing styles, uh, and I think uh, Ranas is is a team who will who would fit in in the championship. We we play pretty physical. We play pretty direct football. Yeah. But, uh, there are also other teams in the league who are a little bit more uh, possession based and uh, play a little bit more. Uh, yeah. A, a, a lot of passes before they they go forward. We play all we play always with with two strikers, so so we yeah. intend to to get the ball forward early. No, it sounds quite similar. Obviously, we're quite a direct side. Um, even though he's only twenty two, he looks like he's got quite a lot of good physical attributes. So he's obviously quite a big lad. Looks quite pacey as well. Do you think there's scope for him in England to to sort of turn into a physical beast as a number nine? Yeah, I think he's he's taken some good steps uh, the last uh, couple of years because he was when he was uh, 15, 16, 17, he was maybe the same uh, height, but yeah. he was uh, he was not uh, he was not so strong. Uh, but yeah. he was bigger. He was bigger and uh, and uh, faster than everybody else. But now uh, now when he's become a senior player, he had to a little bit uh, adapt to to that, and he's been uh, very good in the in the fitness room. I think for the last uh, two three years. So so he's uh, he's ready for the challenge. I think. How how is his injury record? Is he is he someone that manages to sort of stay injury free for the most part? I don't think he has ever had an injury in uh, in the many years I've worked with him. He's uh, he's uh, he has a good body from nature. I think, of course, he also takes good care of himself. But yeah, he has a he has a good uh, he has a good body to play in. Yeah, how, what's he like as as a person? Then is he is he sort of the kind of personality that you you think would find it easy to fit into a new group and and all that sort of stuff? He's he's uh, <laughs> he's quite a he's quite a normal guy. He, he yeah. he's not the one he's not the one who speaks uh, too much in the in the dressing room. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's a quiet guy, but he's also uh, he's also very uh, yeah he's also a guy who's always in a good mood and uh, has a lot of has a lot of appetite for for playing football. So I think it I think it would be easy for him. Yeah, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Today, he came on, I think he was on for about 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes maybe, and he managed to get one shot away in that time. And he, it was one that he managed to get off quite early and with, with little backlift. Um, is that a trait of his, sort of shooting early? <laughs> he shoots a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has, he has an extremely powerful shot, uh, both uh, right and left. Uh, so he, uh, so he's a type of striker who, who, who has a goal from... 25 or 30 yards sometimes, uh, and it can go in. We have seen that uh, also in honest. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's a he's a guy who likes to 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 have a lot of uh, have a lot of finishes. I think actually he was number one or two in the Danish league last season for having the most shots. Yeah. Yeah. 
Obviously, you mentioned before you you play a front two over in Denmark. We we play with a lone striker. Do you think that'll be something that he's going to be capable of adapting to? Obviously, as, as a lone striker in the championship. Yeah, I think he he has to he has to focus on staying central in that system yeah. because he's a guy who also likes to run a little bit on the sides of the centre backs because he has some pace. So yeah. so he has to when he plays alone up front, he has to stay between the the, the defenders. So. So he's in the box when it's needed. Is he is he right footed or left footed? Right right footed, but his left is also awesome. So yeah, uh, a lot but, of people. But but his free kicks and penalties are with his right foot. So I, I assume he's right footed. Yeah, right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of North End fans <laughs> were watching videos and couldn't quite figure out if he was right or left footed. Yeah, he has a strong he has a strong left foot also. I think there was a goal where he spun spun and left footed into the far corner so yeah and it's obviously, a beautiful goal yeah yeah it looks like he's good with both feet um yeah. but that that could suit him you say he likes to run into the channels i think we ask we ask our number nine obviously quite a lot to run off the side of the center back so he was yeah. he was a strong runner that that could suit the way the way that we play to be fair um yeah obviously he's a big lad i've seen a lot of his goals does he score many headers i've seen him score a couple but that's something yeah. that we're probably lacking as well yeah, it's it's not his uh, it's not his biggest strength, but he no. but he can he can do it, but it's not his biggest strength. It has it has never been, but uh, but he has he has the size, so yeah. maybe you can maybe you uh, can work a little bit with him on that. Yeah, yeah, I've no doubt Alex Neil will uh, <clears throat> will will be working with him on that, and and like you say, Ali, you know we look look to our strikers to run the channels quite a lot, and I think that's something we've been lacking. Yeah, in probably the last two years, so I've no doubt with his mobility and his pace that we'll probably see a lot of that from from him. It would be it would be a good role for him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, then, do you think he'll settle well in England? And yeah, I think I think he must be ready now. He had uh, he had one and a half very good season in in Denmark, and uh, also now on the on the on the twenty one national team. So he has to have a, a good chance of, of making it. I think. Do you think Rasmus has got a good chance of stepping up to obviously the, the senior national team? I know Denmark have got um, a couple of very good, very good strikers. Um, I think he's twenty-two now, isn't he? So yeah, be, he, he, he won't he, he won't be eligible much longer for the under twenty-one. Do you think that's yeah. probably part of the reason why he's moved to England to try and establish himself at international level? Yeah, I, I think there's uh, there's one or two, three, one or two, or maybe three steps before he can go to the Danish yeah. national team because they have a they have a lot of good players in that yeah. in that position. But of course, if he don't, if he if he's doing well in the in the championship, Danish Dragons has has played in the national team from the championship also. Uh, Lesse Vive was in Brentford, I think. Yeah. Played in the national yeah. team also. So so it's not impossible, but uh, but there's one or two or maybe three steps before that. No, absolutely. Yeah. Have you had have you had many many lads that you've had at Randers that have come across to England and and sort of done well and gone on to perform and had a career over here or? I think this is only the second guy we sent to England. Uh, Emil is, is for the second time, of course. But but also we had uh, we had a young striker we developed also Nikolai Brockmassen. He was in uh, Birmingham, uh, but that was uh, that was never a good uh, that was never a good situation for him. So. So he's actually the first guy to to go over there with a with a big chance of playing. I think. I think there's been a few, hasn't there? I think uh, Mark Andes at Brentford today. I think he was at Midtjylland um, last season. Yeah, he's, he's, he, yeah, he's from Midtjylland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's been a few players. I think Brentford Brentford have got four or five. Um, yeah. Obviously, they got Thomas Frank as well. So I think there's a history, or maybe sort of an increased. Um, 
prominence yeah, yeah, of players. Yes. Yeah, there's a natural link there also with the, with the ownership uh, yeah. of, of, of Midtjylland and Brentford. So, of course, there's a there's a natural flow of, of players going over to Brentford. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think we can wrap that up there. Unless you've got anything that you want to say, Rasmus, or. No, we look, we look very much forward to to following uh, Emil in uh, in Preston. Uh, I think it's a it's a good chance for him to to play over there, and uh, we think uh, we think he has the skills and the talent to to do well. And of course, we hope he he's a big success success, and in two or three years, he's sold for a lot of money, so we can get even more. <laughs> that would be that would be perfect for both clubs, maybe. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time, Rosmus. Really appreciate it. And best of luck to yourself and Randers for the rest of the season. Uh, as I said before, I've no doubt that North End fans will probably keep an eye out for the results over the, over the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you very much and, and take good care of him over there. Yeah, we'll try our best. Well, I say thank we, you. but I'm sure I'm sure the team will. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks Brilliant. So Cheers. Thank you, Rosmus. Bye. Hopefully you enjoyed that that little segment. Uh, lads, we, we've signed a player. And not just a player, we've signed a player from abroad. Miracles happen. Novel for us, I think, yeah. is one way of putting it. Yeah, I think um, I think Ollie Dawes said it was the first signing we've made permanently from a foreign club since Kimo Daly, which I think was 2011, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is a long, long Shout time. Shout out to uh, Deepdale Digest there for that one. But yeah, it is about time. Yeah, it's about, it's a, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors earlier in the week about the uh, the MLS lad, which was never happening. So, I think the club have probably been quite clever with it. Yeah, they're not Absolutely. stupid, are they? They're aware of what's going on on social media and what's getting out and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, what, yeah, what do you think cl- then? It was, from... um... Sorry, Jimmy, go on. I think, you know, I think what we've found all summer, hasn't it, really, in terms of a bit of smoke and mirrors, a few red herrings getting put out here and there. Terms of information that I think everybody gets, just you know, in terms of if anyone's got a link to somebody at the club, it sort of there's been the odd one that's been weeded out. So, yeah, I think we've all been, I suppose, suckered into uh, believing one thing or the other at times this summer. But yeah, we've you know, been we've all been fed different things, haven't we? Yeah, but you know, it's great news in terms of obviously the new lad signing. A little bit of a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> when um, obviously we found out what about an hour before it got announced, it was like probably not even that about maybe. time. Yeah. So, but it was good. It's it's a good feeling, isn't it? It gave everyone a bit of a lift. I think. I think we've probably seen that in today's performance as well. You know, I think there does feel uh, there's been a bit of a, a feel good factor on social media since we signed him. It's, it feels like a monkey off the bat more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, when that when that video of the private jet arriving was tweeted, I think people start going into meltdown a little bit on Twitter. Go on the club though. Good social media stuff that. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um Yeah. Twenty two years old, what, six foot three? Quite pacey. Yeah. Right footed, as we learned from uh, Rasmus earlier on, but very comfortable with his left as well, by all accounts. Yeah. I think if if you know Alex Neal by now, I think it's pretty clear what he wants from his number nine. And I think he even said it um, when it was announced. I think he said big, strong, quick. Yeah, Um, something like that, wasn't it? And I can't say it enough. The most important thing, it's not really... Well, obviously, you need to score goals, but you need to have that physical profile. Um, 
hopefully sort of identified that now and um, still young so still got a bit of developing to do physically but hopefully can develop into a bit like uh, Hugo just an absolute animal as Alex Neal called him so very positive signing I think he's got a good pedigree and it's yeah. not it, I think when, when you look abroad you can obviously think it's going to be a cheaper fee I think wages are going to be much more in line but I think the actual fee itself is a decent fee for us I think it's our third or fourth you know most expensive signing so they put a lot of faith in him giving him a four-year deal mm. see I think it's, it's there's there's no negatives to it I sent a few people the other night saying there's that, one in particular yeah um I know which one you're on about and that, that just confused me because as a fan base we've asked for the club to be creative um Look outside we've the been box. banging the drum as well that the type of profile of player that we need to sign is someone young, someone that's got potential in terms of value and and, and ability. Yeah. Uh, he's big, mobile, quick, fits the bill in terms yeah. of what Alex Neal wants. And he ticks all of those boxes. Mm. I think we've become pretty complacent as a fan base as to what you should actually expect from your number nine. You know, at Championship level, you need so much more than what we've been seeing. Um and it's, it's a miracle that we've come ninth last season without a number nine sort of capable of, of leading the line. So, you know, like Rasmus said, he's, uh, he's never had any, many injuries, touch wood. So, yeah. try and get a good number of games out of him and give us a platform to play off. Yeah, and also, as Rasmus said, um, I'm sure Randers as a club will be hoping that he does well because they've, they'll be in line for some dosh should, uh, should a big money bid come in for him. Yeah. Well... Sort of makes sense from from both parties' perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's good to see him get like fifteen twenty minutes today. Yeah, look, like, looked an handful as well. Had a couple of decent, got a couple of decent shots away. Probably should have had a, potentially had a penalty. Mm. I thought it was a bit soft. In fairness, like it looked like he was going down already to me. I don't mind that. No, I don't mind it. And if it gets given, I'm not going to complain. But I, I wasn't pulling me out that it wasn't given. Garner and Hugo made a living out of that at times. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. one of them. You know, you don't mind them going down a little bit soft if they're, if they're going to con the ref. I think if, I think if it's if it's nil-nil, then Alex Neal's complaining about that after the game, I think. Um, but Def- yeah. Definitely the earlier one, when Ivan Tony went through, whoever it was. Yeah, he's come through wrong side. That's a penalty all day. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, in terms of what, what he looked like, when he ran onto the pitch, just coming on as a sub, that was more mobility than we've seen from Stockley in two years. Um, <laughs> so it took, it took him about 10 seconds to uh, to improve on that aspect. But I think we've seen a few um, Danish fans comment about sort of his He's pettiness a bit, or... Bit of a shithouse. Bit of a shithouse, yeah. So probably going to fit in very well. So yeah, pretty excited about seeing him. He did look genuinely mobile for a big lad. He yeah, did. he did. Only on the pitch for 10 minutes, whatever it was. But yeah, it looks like... Um, yeah, it just looks like there's there's a lot to work with. Yeah, I think plenty of uh, possibility there, and, and yeah. as as Rasmus said, no injuries that he can remember. So hopefully yeah. we can keep him fit. Yeah, obviously going away, going away with the uh, under twenty one, so it's not ideal in terms of bedding him in. But I think probably see him off the bench for you know a few games. But you never know with Alex Neil. He was not. I don't think he was ever going to start today. I sent a few people. No questioning that but but yeah like Jimmy said good to actually see him straight away and good to get a win 
Yeah, absolutely. Two big ticks from this week, and obviously we head into the international break with hopefully a lot of positivity surrounding the club. A yeah. couple of contract announcements, maybe another player brought in, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's cost a bit of momentum, and uh, yeah, it's, um, I think there's what, five or six games between this international break and the next one, isn't there? So be interesting what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Cheers, boys. I'm going to go and get a drink and I shall see you in part two. There are. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we're going to discuss the international break ahead, uh, the domestic transfer window, and of course, the actual transfer window. And then we'll also look ahead to the Cardiff City game on the 18th of October. But first of all, boys, we'll talk a little bit about the international break. We've not got, historically, we've not got a good relationship with them, really, especially in recent times. Yeah, this is something I can never put my finger on. It's really hard to say if that's because we don't have players who go away for internationals, do we? No. Um, so yeah, that's something I've always struggled to put a finger on. But but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think because this is such a unique situation anyway, I'm not sure it'll have as much of an effect. But you'd like yeah. a game as soon as possible after today, wouldn't you? So it's a bit. It's come at the wrong time in a way. But to have to be, wait and see. Be good for the lads to get to get a breather as well. Have a bit of a. A time off and, and all that sort of stuff because I think we only made one sub, did we, today? Yeah. yeah. So you got yeah. like Scott Sinclair, that's another night under his belt. Mm-hmm. Maguire. Maguire. Well, Maguire's gone off, but he's played a lot of games. So, yeah, I think because there's been so many games, obviously with the cup games every midweek, um, obviously gives Fisher a bit of time to get back, gives yeah. a time. We'll see what happens with DJ and then Barkey will be back available. So, in a way, it's probably not come at a bad time, but you'd There's probably pros and cons to it, in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so obviously moving in, moving into a new training ground as well over the break should give everyone around the club, especially like those that are close to the first team and obviously in the first team, a bit of a lift as well. Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. Who's away for the internationals? Is it just Brownie and obviously the new lad. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Shawnee's uh, been left out again. He'd be on standby, that would have thought, when he saw yeah. me. Yeah, I think he, think he, think he was admitted last time, and then I think he might have got a late call up. Yeah, and um, then I think he only featured in one squad, though, didn't he? Yeah, I don't think him or Brownie actually got any minutes. Um, which you know you could argue for and against, but I think they got three games now, haven't they? The internationals, yeah. so you'd think it's quite likely that they'll get some minutes. Brownie, um, yeah. I thought he was very good today, by the way. Um, yeah, he was. It's a bit more like. Brownie of last season or, or whatever but do you think it's just to... down to, I know we've talked about it in the past but do you think it is just down to momentum and just sort of losing that momentum of playing week in week out I don't know I don't I don't know what Jimmy thinks but I think maybe because we're such an intense side probably do sort of rely upon um, rhythm more yeah. than anything um, so yeah it could be could be I, I, I don't really know I don't know It's it's I've always struggled to put a finger on it Tough to say, isn't it, really? I think when you're playing games week in, week out, like the Championship is, and then you have a break for two weeks and everything sort of stops, 
it's hard to just get yourself back. And you'll have been doing loads at, at training ground on, you know, phases of play and, you know, you might have had a couple of bounce games, for example, but none of them match the intensity of actually playing a league game. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably does, that play does play a part of it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a strange one, isn't it? I don't think any other team's got such uh, as bad a record as we, we've we had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really hard to sort of pinpoint yeah. it, really. But I think, yeah, one of the things that I was worried about, about COVID, and it's probably come to fruition, would be our intensity, as it is anyway, without the, without the international break. So obviously at Deepdale, behind closed doors, I think we have been pretty poor, I think it's fair to say. So, you know, with with another two week break and then without the fans again, you'd probably be a little bit concerned going into the Cardiff game, especially given how they're probably going to set up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So obviously, the day that this goes out and the day that people will be listening to it is deadline day. Um, but that's just for international players and and international trans. Well, not sorry, not international players, international transfers, but. Yeah. How how do you see the the window panning out in terms of comings and goings? Um, I think there's a lot of cards being held close to a lot of chests. <laughs> um, so I think I don't think Danny Johnson will play for us again. Obviously, um, at, at the time that this is being released, Rangers have got Rangers have got hours to sort some out. Yeah. Um, but I think he'll end up at another club. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but. I think Neil's come out and said today he doesn't think there'll be any incomings. Um, yeah, 99% certain there was no no one would be leaving. Oh, sorry, you said incomings, didn't you? Yeah, I said incomings. Um, yeah, I wasn't listening. <laughs> so I think I asked Dave Seddon this yesterday when he said the uh, the 25-man squad is now full. But Dave Seddon has got that, including Louis Malt. Um, and obviously, I don't think any of us can envisage Malt playing a serious part in this calendar year. No. Uh, you can obviously revisit a squad in, in January, but to me, I think it'd be remiss to include Malt in the squad. I'd be pretty disappointed if he was. Yeah. So for me, there is an extra there is an extra um, sort of place there to fill. I still want another attacker, personally. What uh, kind of attacker? Number 10, a winger, striker? I'd like One a... that can I'd, fit I'd, sort I'd like of a, two, two or three of those positions. I'd like a wide player with pace. I think we are still missing pace. If you look at look at us today, um, obviously Barkey not involved. Sinclair's got a bit of pace. Brownie and Potts are runners. They're not really, you know, rapid. And then Sean, he's lost his legs. Bowden's got no pace. Harrop's not that quick. So yeah, yeah. For me, we are we are missing a bit of pace. I don't know what you two think, but there's definitely room there for one more attacker for me. Yeah, I think I think if if it was a case of one out, one in, then yeah. You know, maybe see Bowden out the door or someone like that. And yeah, I think it's... I think. Sorry, Jimmy. I think just gonna say I think if I think if Daniel Johnson leaves, I think we'll sort of promote from within. Um, but I think if Ben Davis leaves, we'll we'll look to sign a left-footed centre back. Yeah, I think it's tough. You know, especially for the lads that are out of contracts in nine months' time. You know, what do you do with them? You know, so you've got players like like Bowden, like Hunts, um, that you either gonna you either need to do something with them here, or you need to let them go and let them find football elsewhere. Because let's be brutally honest, Bowden hasn't really kicked a ball 
in 12 months for us, really. I know obviously he was injured for a lot of that time. Yeah. But he's not exactly had a consistent run of games. And, you know, when someone gets to that point of the career, then is it really fair keeping hold of them for the sake of it? I get it's football and I, obviously I get his contract to play for us, but at the end of the day, he's got to be able to, he's, he's got to play somewhere, you know, because yeah. it's not fair just keeping hold of him for the sake of it. Yeah. I mean, it's tough on him and it's tough on us to be fair, because then you've got to try and find someone to replace him yeah. and, and they're hard to find as well. You know, I'll, I'll, but Borden's only played 36 times in the league for over three years. Mm. You know, it's, yeah. Can think, you replace him? I, I think you probably can replace him, but you're not going to get a massive fee for him to start with. You're probably going to make a financial loss on it to start. Yeah. But expect to make a loss and obviously lose him for free in nine months' time. Yeah, I think I said it. The, the first pre-season game that he played, I've got a bit of stick for this, but he looks completely off it to me physically now, Bill. Um, I think championships, unfortunately, now are a step too far. Um, probably are going to have to cut our losses on that one. It was probably worth it at the time. He was probably 25, 26 when we signed him, scoring goals for fun. Um, but yeah, I think physically now, the level's probably just a little bit too much for him. Yeah. Um, and I've got the same sort of concern about Louis Malt, obviously, for obvious reasons. So, And I probably feel the same about Stockley. I felt that way about, you know, about quite a lot of these players, but... And taking your fair, fair share of stick for it as well. Yeah, I don't mind that though because just give it time and it, it comes to fruition. But but yeah, it, it's a tricky one because, you know, including Malt is probably the easy thing to do for the club. Um, you're yeah, paying it's, him it's a wage. the easy way out, isn't it? Yeah, you're paying him a wage, put him in the 25-man squad, hope for the best. For me, I'd, I'd like to see a Premier League loanee come in. There will become a lot of loans available. Um Obviously, when this Premier League window or when the international window shuts yeah. tomorrow, there'll be a lot of sort of under 23 kids coming available. Whether we take a punt on one of them with pace, I don't know. But the interesting thing is all loans count towards your 25-man squad. So even if it's a 19-year-old on loan, that'll sort of count as a place. So we are between a rock and a hard place a little bit mm. um, with the numbers. Yeah. And obviously, Nugent is still on the books. Well, so that's that's another interesting one, isn't it? It's all got a little bit quiet at that, hasn't it? I mean, obviously, we, we heard he turned down potentially a couple of moves. I don't. I, I, Do you think I, he's I playing a game? Do you think he's thinking if I turn turn a few moves no. down, then there's a chance, and no. he'll maybe panic when deadline no. day arrives? I don't think so. I why think, would you Why would you think, panic when you've got a contract? Yeah, well, no true, yeah. Panic. He's he, not going to be that bothered about playing he's football at no. thirty six either. He's guaranteed that income for a year, so I don't think he'll be panicking. I think if he's going to make a move now, it probably is going to be his last professional move. Yeah. So it needs to be the right one for him, which it's not his fault we gave him a two-year contract. Absolute daft from the club. And we're now paying for it in terms of... Obviously well, we're literally the, paying for it. Yeah, the, the wage cap's obviously coming as well, which hasn't helped us. But yeah, he is still on the books, so it's a bit of a tricky one. So if you've got Malt and Nugent on the books there, you know, that's more than 10 grand a week just sitting in the stands. So we probably are going to be one short in the attacking options. Um, but but like I said before, if, if Ben Davis goes out, I think we will replace. I think if any of the others go, I think we'll try and make do until January. Yeah. yeah. In terms of fullbacks then, um, I mean, Nick Marn, who is at Nick PNE, one of your pals as well. 
Jimmy, um, tweeted and said, seeing as there's a significant drop-off from Fisher to Rafferty and Brown filling in there at times, do you think we might have a late go for a right back in the window? Well, we've already tried to get a right back in this window, haven't we, in terms yeah. of um, Callum, Johnson. Callum Johnson. But obviously, it's tough, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, Darnell played, what, 28 games out of the 46 last season. He always seems to get these little knocks. Yeah. And it, it's it's not like he's been consistently fit in the time he's been here. He's, no, he's never played 46 games in a, in a year. Obviously, yeah. down to suspension as well. So, it's a tough one, really. What and was I, your stat from last week, Ollie? Was it he's never played more than nine games in a row for us? Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredible when you consider he's been here for three, going into his fourth season now, I think. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, as we've just mentioned, it's it's you're now capped at 25, so... I'm not sure if we're going to pay, you know, for three right backs on the on the wage bill sort of thing, especially if you're going to give Fisher another contract, which you hopefully are. That's going to be an increase in wages, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure there'll be any scope to bring a right back in at this stage, similar to a left back probably. If yeah. Fisher ends up going, if Fisher ends up going, obviously we'll probably look to bring one in. But obviously, like you say, Brownie can fill in there. Rafferty can go and play at, at left back. So. I think we're going to have to make do with with the fullbacks and hope that Fisher stays fit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So last bit then on on the transfer window, in terms of outgoings and incomings and all that sort of stuff. What what do you two think will happen? Do you think we'll see two out, one in, one in, two out? No, that's exactly the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if I had to tell t- tell you now, Jake, I'll say two out and one in. Um, I've got a feeling Ben Davis will end up moving on yeah. in the window, which I think, you know, despite his faults, would be a big loss for us. Um, if he was right-footed, it wouldn't concern me as much, but he's obviously left-footed. So big part of how we um, how we defend and how we set up to attack from defence. So, yeah. um, you know, then players come at a premium. So even though he's only got a year left, I'd hope we get a decent fee. My worry would be bringing a left footer in within our budget, within the time scale. Um, you know, someone ready to step in, that'd be a big concern. Do you think but, we do you think we'd try and replace him if he went? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the club will already have a list of players. It'd be it'd be silly not to. I think with Ben Davis, if they couldn't land a replacement, would you be surprised to see Josh Earl or Andrew Hughes slotting his left side of centre half? Um, I'd be surprised to see Hughes there. I would not be surprised to see Earl there. And I think I'm not sure if you've said it on the podcast or if I've tweeted it, but I think long term that's Josh Earl's position. I'm not, part of me thinks yes because if you look at the way the game's developing, if you're an athlete now and you're left-footed, um, there's a good chance you're going to play left centre back. So you know that might be in the club's thinking. Um. But Earl's another one who keeps getting niggly injuries. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure how reliable he'll be. Ben Davis himself gets a few little knocks, doesn't he? But he can sort of play 35 games. So yeah, there's a lot of questions still to be answered about, about the transfer window. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, football's a funny game, isn't it, really? And I think it's it wouldn't surprise me if no activity happened now. But it also wouldn't it surprise me to see three or four go out and three or four come in. 
You yeah. know, and that includes the fringe players, your likes of Bowden and maybe Hunts. Um, as much as I don't want to see him go, um, for more sentimental reasons more than anything, but football yeah. has no room for sentiment, as you've said quite a few times on here. Yeah. So yeah, uh, nothing nothing surprises me. I think the DJ thing will get tied up the next twenty four hours if he's going to go. Um, or he might go to a championship club. I can't see a Premier League club taking a punt on him. Ben Davis, that could go the length. Same with Pearson. Yeah. For after that, I can't see Alan Brown going to a Premier League club. Maybe another championship club if he's to move on. But out of our sort of first choice eleven, they're the sort of players I'd be worried about moving on. Not sure he'd take a punt on Darnell. Um, as much as we rate him, yeah. and also his injury probably. Him being injured now probably helps us more than anything because it's yeah. probably going to hinder him getting a move. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the two Bens are the ones who, who are going to step up. Uh, yeah, all the others could get good sideways moves. Mm. Do you see any of them signing a new deal? Yeah, I think Personally. after the window after the window closes, um, I think two of them will. Yeah, I think they'll they'll, they'll probably. Uh... It's, it's an interesting position though, isn't it, for the club? Because if you've got Say, say DJ and Davis do move on and then you're left with Brown and Pearson and um, Darnell. It, it, if they carry on refusing to sign a deal that's been offered to them by the club in whatever terms it is and whatnot, then do the club, it, it's, it's like a, it's a game of cat and mouse really, isn't it? Because the club then, do they up their offer to close and match what the players want or risk losing them for free? Like It's that sort of interesting balancing act if you will yeah absolutely I think in terms of their ages as well now so a lot if you think about this now if you're moving on a free at say Alan Brown's age 25 25 I think he is that's going to save his new club three four million pounds in in sort of a transfer fee so when he's when he's doing his deal going to a new club he can earn himself sort of a signing on fee pretty substantial so yeah it is a it is a tricky one. It is quite you know, like you said, it is a game of cat and mouse because it, in one aspect the future's gonna be up in the air, which is not gonna be good for anyone. But in the other aspect they can sort of um stick to the guns and hope to get a lucrative move next summer. So it also depends on their form this season. They've got to play well to get a good move. Yeah. Um you know, someone like Darnell Fisher, he might only play twenty games this season and then is he going to get a good move after that? I don't know. Same with Ellen Brown. He's not performed, you know, last season as well as he could have. Um, so it, it is a massive game of cat and mouse. And like we said ages ago, it's a bit daft of the club to let it get to this sort of situation as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but now I think the players hold all the cards now. Yeah, I think the players and the agents. I think that the, the one thing I'd add in to what you just said earlier is about agent fees as well. Because yeah. if, if a player moves on a free transfer, the agent fee tends to be significantly increased because obviously that transfer fee that a club would have paid you know, will be probably... Yeah, they won't pay as much, but they'll also give the player a significant sign-on fee, but the agent's fee will be huge. Yeah. So I think you could see it in our um, accounts when we've signed Pat. I think there's a big agent fee in, involved. I think we paid like £1.4 million in agent's fees that season, Jesus. which... Which is, you know, that includes all the contracts and yeah, etc. Yeah. Um, for renewals, and there was quite a few re- renewals from what I remember. Yeah. But 
still it was an increase on the year before. So, yeah. you know, it might only be 200, 300 grand as a signing on fee to the agent, but it's still in their pocket rather than ours. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, these four lads who are out of contract all have agents or wanting a bit of a payday as well. So I think if DJ doesn't move tomorrow or and doesn't move by the end of the window, you know, the likelihood is he'll sign a pre-contract contract in January for me and he'll get, you know, his move next summer. Yeah. And, I, you know, he'll get a bit of a payday and so will his agent. So, yeah, it's not just the clubs and the players that are at play at the minute. It's, or January becomes well. our last opportunity to get a bit of money for the player. So we, we end up accepting a low fee, a bit like yeah. we did with, I think, Bailey Wright. Yeah, yeah, you could see a situation like that. I think the Scottish interest is quite interesting because it obviously does change the complexion of the situation. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think DJ will move before um, before the end of the window. Um, if it's not to Rangers, I think it'll be to another club in our league. But, but yeah, I think... I don't, Has he played in a league game yet, DJ? No, no just the derby game. So, it's... You know, he's not been injured that long, I'm telling you. So, yeah, I think the one promising thing would be, I know we've only got four points from four games, but the actual performances without DJ... Um, they've been good. They've been, they've yeah. been, you know, he is a miss because he's a very good player, but the level hasn't been a considerable drop-off. I think, you know, there's been question marks about Ben Pearson, but I think he was outstanding today, personally. Yeah, back um, to his best. Yeah, so I think... You know, we've played games about all four of these players before, and the, you know, there's not been an, an immense drop off. The interesting one for me is the Fisher one, which I highlighted last week. Fifty percent win record last season with, twenty-two percent without. Um, you know, which would get you a bit concerned, but yeah, it's going to be a massive couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, I just, I just the, the one that I'd just want to keep no matter what would be Ben Pearson. Um, yeah, you know. Alan Brown, very very good player, been immense for us. DJ, same. I think Ben, uh, both the Bens for me would be sort of hardest to replace. And I think they're the two who could get the best moves as well. So, you know, I think Alex Neil, considering everything that's been going on surrounding this sort of situation, has dealt with it, you know, incredibly well. Yeah, he has. He has, yeah. to be fair. And the sooner we get clarity, the better, which obviously is going to come soon anyway. Yeah, it's just a matter of time now, isn't it? Yeah. Just as it is with um, the the Cardiff game, obviously got a two week break now, and then uh, it's back yeah. to back to back Sunday games in the league mm-hmm. for us for the first time in quite a while. Midday yeah. kickoff on Sky as well. Cardiff haven't had a great start. They lost two 0 away at Wednesday. They were beaten by Northampton in the in the League Cup as well. Yeah, um, they beat Forest two 0 but in fairness, Forest have probably. Started worse than they have. Lost every game, haven't they, Forest? Yeah, and then they got beat two one by Reading, and then this weekend they drew nil nil with Rovers, and uh, they were down to ten men as well for that. Mm-hmm. So Lee Tomlin misses the game against us. Yeah, to be fair, he's um, he's always made an impact against us. Doesn't matter who he's been playing for, he just yeah. seems to pop up, pop up against us. I think obviously wasn't that probably a couple of months ago, maybe a bit longer now that they came to Deepdale and sort of did a job on us. The pace off, off the flanks was a massive factor that day for me, for Cardiff. Um, and obviously the subs came on and changed the game. Yeah. 
obviously none of us know what's happened with Mendes Lang. Um, but he's no longer there. Few rumours flying about. But yeah, I think Mendes Lang's been a big miss. Obviously, they've signed Kiefer Moore, who we've been a big fan of. I think he scored a couple, but, but yeah, it's the sort of game that you'd want to be winning at Deepdale, I think. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've got them top six in my prediction. So, you know, it'll be a tough game. But obviously, as we've said, Barky back. Fisher probably might come a bit too soon. Maybe Earl back in the fold. And then, obviously, Emil. Emil have a couple of weeks. Obviously, not going to be with the squad, but in contention. So, um, you know, hopefully going off the back of this win, moving into the new training ground, and then considering the performances, probably going to be in decent spirits. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. What's your predictions then? I think there's a lot of water. Yeah, there's a lot of water still to go under the bridge um, before that, but clean sheets at home are a massive issue. Mm. Um, clean sheets in general are a massive issue. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we well we've scored four in our last two away games, so proving we can score away. Doesn't need to start scoring at home now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Four and two in it for 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 today, two against Norwich. Oh yeah. So you know four today, sir. Yeah. Six so, and all, yeah. So we're not doing yeah. bad in terms of goals away. It's just we just can't score at home. Can't score at home and keep keep conceding sloppy goals. So and um, I'm just going to throw it out there now. I think, you know, the lack of fans at home probably doesn't help us either. No. You know, I I think that plays a big part in how we play at home in terms of having that fan advantage. And, you know, I think the sooner we can get fans back in deep down, the better. Um, Just because I think it will hopefully help turn around our form at home because I thought, you know, our form at home has not been great since lockdown started. I think we only won one after lockdown at home, that Birmingham game on the final day. Yeah. yeah. So last home you know, game. It's um it's not a pretty sort of run of games into if you look at the and don't mind, we've played some tough teams at home as well. Yeah. Um but you know, I, I do feel that you know, getting a few fans on at least would probably help us a little bit because it can be quite a quiet and eerie place deep down at the best of times. Yeah, yeah. I think I think intensity is just a massive thing for us. Um, and when you go into a tight stadium like you are today against Brentford, you can press them. You sort of create your own energy, don't you, really? But mm. I think when, when you're in a vast space like Deepdale against a team who's going to sit back and you've got to sort of create your own um, intensity and rhythm, the fans probably are a massive miss. Um, so we need to find a way of obviously sorting it out. It's going to be a while before fans are back in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is a bit of a concern, no doubt. So, obviously, lack of home fans and then the international break could be another worry against Cardiff. But mm. I go into it in decent spirits myself. Obviously, we'll know a lot more about what's going on by the time we get to that game. So, we'll have to wait and see, Jake. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Four, four points from six games at home since lockdown. Yeah. So, not great. But fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for... Keeping hold of what we've got, and um, you know, if we can add to it, then great. But we wait and yeah. see. Cool, cheers, lads. Thanks, cheers, lads. Much appreciated, and thank you very much, listener. Thanks for listening to episode seven of the From the Finney podcast. As I say at the end of every episode, you can support the uh, podcast and and the website and everything we do here with a one-off donation. Um, 
Again, if you're a small business or you want something plug-in, when you make your donation, just leave a little message for us and we can sort something out. But if you want to support us and make a one-off donation, you can go to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the finny and make your donation there and it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, cheers, boys. Thank you very much. Cheers, lads. See you later. Cheers, lads. See you in a bit.